Hey everyone, this is Dan Holman with The Wealthy Retailer. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're in and around the world of retail. My guest today is a returning favorite, Margot Kopman with The Project Retail. And we're going to talk a lot about you know, where you need to be in independent retail today. Margot, welcome back. Thanks so much, Dan. <laughs> Let's do a quick refresh. You know, for the people that haven't had a chance to watch your podcast from a couple of months ago, tell us a little story about who Margot is and where she's come from. Um, Margot is, I love talking in the third person. Um, I am a retail junkie um, that at a very young age went for my dreams and opened a retail store and realized all of the things I didn't know about four years into it. So fast forward to now, I transitioned out of my retail store, sold it, and became a full-time consultant to basically coach other people like me um, to, you know, basically live their dreams, but smarter and more profitably. Smarter and more profitably. So are they really like you, the retailers that you work with? I mean, you know, it depends on the day, Dan. Depends I, on the yeah, day. Yeah, and I don't mean that as a um, as a slight at all. I mean, are you know, are you are you seeing a similarity between the retailers that you work with today and the retailer that you were, you know, ten years ago? A hundred and ten percent, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we think that we're in this what we call modern retail world. But really, there's a lot of things that are constant in retail that aren't changing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you just jumped all yes. over that statement. I love that. <laughs> let's yes. talk, okay, let's, let's, let's get down to business here. Let's talk about coming off of, I mean, this is, you know, midway through Q1 in 2020. We're coming off of what I've called you know, a bit of a strange holiday period. I think I've said to other retailers, I said to Scott Smith from Empowered Retail, you know, on our, on our last podcast, um, you know, I believe this is gonna go down in history as the biggest discount, you know, holiday period we've ever seen. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, you know, I do. I think it'll be interesting to actually see how it compares to when the bottom fell out in 2008, um, because what really dictated that discount, obviously the economy, but, you know, the big boxes really killed the independents because they were so freaked out. Right. And so here we are, however many years later, and we had this very bizarre holiday season, which really, you know, appears, and obviously, you know, we can't always go off of that, but it, it appears to really have happened because of the timing of the holidays mm -hmm. and everyone is on sale and has been on sale and has been promoting discounts essentially now for, I mean, over eight weeks, I would say. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to sort of watch it unfold and how all of the retailers right now, our retailers that we work with, you know, the ones that are really in a great place and then the ones that, you know, have still have a little bit of work to do, meaning they still have a, a nice amount of inventory that's left over that they haven't been able to actually liquidate, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, so there's two kinds of, of, or two examples that you're seeing today. You know, those that still have inventory and those that, you know, discounted through holiday and beyond. And how, how far past holiday have you seen, you know, this promotional world, I'm going to say live, I mean, are we still seeing that mm -hmm. mid-February? I mean, are we still seeing holiday-type discounting? Yes, we are. Why? And it, well, I think because going back to what we really talked about, one of the things the last time I was on was, you know, the customer experience. Yes. And, you know, it's not, it's not always about selling. You know, you have to really, really, really incorporate that customer experience because, you know, that omni-channel customer is the most valuable customer, right? So, and that doesn't mean everyone, by the way, that you need to sell online, but really creating the experience that goes from social to your own website that's, you know, marketing and then translating into the in-store experience. And so what we're finding is, is that the stores currently that are left basically have a decent amount of past season's goods, so, you know, November and prior mm -hmm. goods still sitting on the floor, what they unfortunately didn't have a grasp on necessarily was that experience that they, that they needed to create in the store to keep the merchandise moving, even at a discount. Even at a discount. Which is really, yeah, which is really interesting. And that can come, you know... In, in a couple different sort of fashions, like, you know, some people weren't necessarily aggressive enough with their discounts early on, which, you know, the fear of, oh, my margins, my margins, my margins. Well, you know, the reality is, is that selling it in February, right? Right. At, they, they think in February, by February, it'll be gone because in December or early January, they didn't want to take a greater markdown and now they're still sitting on it and it's really worth at this point pennies on the dollar. So the stores that really pushed the markdown strategy and incorporating that into their experience end of year and, you know, in the month of January really have come out whole, right? And the ones that are still sitting on a larger percentage of previous season's goods, they're scratching their heads and they're saying, oh, my cash flow is going to be even worse than projected. Right. <laughs> Which, sure. you know, we never like to see. Right. Okay, so let's just touch on cash flow because it's going to be sensitive for people that are, you know, coming off of holiday and used and in the past have come out of holiday with a little bit of dough in the bank to feed yep. their spring-summer business. And so... Yep. You know, those people that are still sitting on goods and and feeling that cash crunch, what should they be doing in their store right now? So, you know, we basically have very little time left and everyone needs to strategize essentially on how to create a very short and sweet sale. Um you know, we're coming up here on President's Day weekend um, here in the U.S. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you have three days. People are out and about. There's a vacation day in there. You know, schools are closed, all of that kind of stuff. Right. You know, really strategically, you know, do a sidewalk sale, do an off-site sale, do what you have to do, and really discount it. I find that price points 
are the best, right? At right. this point, nobody cares if it's 75% off. They don't even know what that means. Right. They want to know if it's $10, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, that's really the only way to go. And they have to really say, okay, whatever's left over, you know, I need to reset my floor. I mean, I think that's where, you know, we, we run into trouble where, okay, we didn't get rid of it fast enough. The whole world was on markdown. And now here we are in, in the middle, essentially, of a new season, you know, because spring does start, right, February 1st, if not mid-January. Right. And, you know, if their store still has a percentage of fall, winter goods, it's really muddying the waters to have the full price sales on the new goods. Right. So reset that floor, take it off. I mean, we know that, you know, it's rotting dollar bills in the back room or in a box or, you know, wherever we put it, but we, we have to really move forward. We can't live in the past and we also just can't stare at the past. We can't stare at it. And so, so if I'm reading between the lines, you know, the recovery is about resetting your store with new merchandise, with yeah. the new goods that are on the way. Get rid of everything that's you know pre-November or December at yeah. at cents on the dollar without thinking about it. Put that cash in the bank to feed the new season. And how do I? And don't do it. And don't, don't do it again next year, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't follow the. Don't follow the leader next year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Carve your own path. Yes. How are we gonna How are we gonna get the customer to respond to us now if we've spent eight, twelve weeks screaming sale and discount? How do we get her to respond now? Well, wow, that's a great question. I mean, I think first, what we really need to do is. You know, the the store owners really need to make sure that they have the right balance of inventory on the floor. I think, you know, the science part at this point and the numbers is actually really important before they move into any sort of marketing. Um, You know, because if you don't have what they're looking for, you can spend all the money and time that you want on marketing. But, you know... At some point, if they respond to the marketing and regularly, you know, if they continue, if they continue to come in and and they don't have, you know, the stores don't have what they're looking for, they won't return. Right. In the true what, you know, everyone in the world considers spring when the when the weather turns warm. Right. Right. So, you know, if. If we don't, if they don't first and foremost look at look at their inventory, their mix, and then strategically start to roll out the marketing and really talk to the specific customers, you know, whether it's the customer that's going on spring break with their kids or, you know, the customer that, you know, travels for work in first quarter, you know, they, they really need to make sure that they have what, what they're looking for. Um, I think that the events, you know, creating relationships with your vendors and potentially, you know, having an event or a trunk show and not even necessarily taking on extra inventory or even the expense of like flying the vendor out or anything like that, but 
you know, if we know that, that we've got, you know, that the, a specific vendor who has really great buzz right now, a delivery coming in, you know, let's, let's have a weekend trunk show event just with the current inventory we have on order and coming right. and then really segment the, you know, the customer list and all that kind of stuff and do, and do client reach out. I mean, I think at this point, the client reach out, the individual client reach out and the personal relationship, right, is more important than the overall branding, messaging, you know, blanket emails, blanket, non-descriptive social media and things like that. Because they, first of all, the customer feels special, right? right? Oh, you remembered I liked so-and-so. And then... You know, they'll tell their friends at this point, I think, too, the you know, the the word of mouth, right, is the most powerful, powerful, powerful driving force of new customers and new traffic into any store. Okay, so that's good. Let's just expand on that for a second. What do I do? How do I get my current customer to talk about me with her friends? Do I incentivize her? I mean, what do I do to inspire her, motivate her to mm -hmm. talk about me? Well, you got to have what she's looking for. Okay. So, you know? it's, it is it about, it's, I mean, it's about inventory or is it about something more than inventory? I think it's about inventory. I think it's also about the way that you make her feel. Um, you know, if, if you, you know, know and understand who she is, what she likes, what size she is, even down to, you know, almost the time of day usually that she comes in, you know, you make sure that when you are doing the reach out and having the conversation with her, you know, you're essentially making her feel so warm and fuzzy inside that why wouldn't she just pop in even though she's having the busiest day you know, of, of her week this week. Right. Right. Um, because I think we're so, we're so sales driven and not sale meaning discount. You know, we're so sales driven. We have to sell, we have to sell, we have to hit these numbers and we will naturally actually do that if we're genuine in our conversation with her. And how do you want me to reach out and talk to her? What do you think is the most impactful way to reach out to her? I mean, I'm a big, you know, phone, pick up the phone. Pick up the uh, phone either, and call her. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a big, and listen, you know, sometimes we don't have that information, right? There, we have a lot of people that we work with that, that are very fearful of asking for phone numbers, you know, addresses, physical addresses, and all of those types of things. There, those two things, the phone number and the physical address, are actually more powerful than the email seeing that we all get hundreds of emails every single day, even if it's a personal email, you know, at some point they go down to the bottom of the list. So right. if, if you ask for the information and say, Oh, you know, we sometimes, you know, we send out lookbooks or we love, we want to call you when your favorite designer comes in. If they say, no, I don't want to provide you that information. Okay, great but we don't know until we ask, right? Right, but and Margo, so the reason they don't want to give it to you is because they don't trust you. True, Dan, see, mm -hmm. there you go on a Monday morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
You've been I don't know thinking. if it matters what day it is. You know, if you ask for my phone number and I don't trust you, yeah. you're not getting my phone number. Absolutely not. Right? I mean, how many of Absolutely. us have, a, a, you know, caveman123 at hotmail.com address for all the crap from people we don't trust? <laughs> you mean I'm supposed to be doing that? <laughs> <laughs> right so people actually do that totally yeah yeah oh people goodness. do that yeah but so let's they just do. talk about you know i couldn't agree more you know we have to be able to plan our next interaction with everyone and we have to know what mm -hmm. the outcome of every interaction is or our desired outcome and if our intention is pure and clear and we're building an authentic relationship. I mean, that word sometimes is overused, but we're building an authentic relationship based on trust. They're going to give us that information mm -hmm. freely. Absolutely. In fact, Absolutely. they're probably going to offer it to us before we ask mm -hmm. for it. Right. Hey, will you call me when, Right. you know, vendor Y comes in mm -hmm, or when you're having a, an event or what have you. Absolutely. Right. And it so it's creating, it's building that relationship, the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if we go back a little bit in time and we look at all of this, you know, when, when e-marketing, we'll call it e-marketing newsletters and whatever email marketing started, you know, it was done you know, I mean, I can think about how many Macy's emails I got or how many, you know, Nordstrom emails I got, not to slam those stores, but that their intention was not pure. It was, you know, get them on a, get me on a list so that they can funnel information that's non-specific to me every day. Yeah, absolutely. And we've completely turned off the customer because we're not specific. We're sending non-specific crap to them. Right. And I'm not yes. saying stop emailing your customer. I'm saying be relevant. Know who your audience right. is. Don't send, right. you know, Sally's email to Tracy. You're not going to get any success. Right. And that goes back to how they will tell their friends and quote unquote refer their friends. Right. Because the, you know, they, the relevance of whatever the messaging was, was specific. And they felt they had, we had, they had already created the relationship up front and then followed up. I think that's actually one thing that a lot of us, including myself, you know, as a business owner, you know, the follow-up sometimes is hard, right? The day-to-day -day gets, gets you. And that goes to, you know, the follow-up on, hey, Mr. Vendor, where is my merchandise that I ordered? It's late, right? All the way up to the customer where, okay, Sally gave me her email or gave me her phone number, right? She wants me to call her when this comes in, you know, and I just simply got lost in the day-to-day -day and forgot. Margo, can I ask you a question? What yeah. percentage of my day should be spent working on my business versus in my business. You keep talking about the day-to-day. -day. I wanna know how much time I should spend every day. Just give me a percentage that I should spend on my business. Well, that's kind of a loaded question, Dan. I mean, I feel like I'm being quizzed. I need some guidance um, from you. 
We're talking about getting lost in the day to day. And if I'm saying, if you're sitting in front of me, I'm a retailer, right? You're sitting in front of Twig and Berry's <laughs> apparel company right now. <laughs> Tell me how much time I should spend working on the business versus how much time I should spend in the day to day, getting lost in the day to day. A hundred percent. A hundred percent of my day should be spent on the business. <laughs> yes. But which, I, I mean, let's be, let's be, let's be clear. It's not, it is, uh, that is not realistic. I right. mean, I, I would say, you know, the way that I would actually look at it is take a step back, figure out, and you taught me something that was really profound. You know, if you spent a week or two weeks or even 30 days every single day writing down what it is that you do and how much time it takes, right? right? And then, you know, really saying, okay, what is it that I want to accomplish here? And then on the day, you know, really almost schedule the time, right, to work on the business. Right. Because I think for some people, it could take a lot longer than others based right. on where they are. I agree. You know? Um, and so if they really understood what is it that I'm getting lost in, right, which could be the stuff that they they absolutely love, right, um, but they're missing the whole on the business piece. Right. I think, you know, they, they we, we need to sort of figure that out so we can understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and then also understand, you know, what their support system or team or employees look like and what their strengths are so they can sort of come in and help. So what's always interesting too, is that the owners, when you're, you know, a small business owner, you, you almost think that this only applies to you, right? Right. The working on the business. And if we can't empower the people that we pay, right. To also do the same thing. You know, it takes a little bit longer, maybe. Really you know? well said. What a great point. If we can't empower the people that work for us to work on their business, how do we expect mm -hmm. to be able to work on our business? I mean, that, yeah. that is probably the best coaching tip that we've had, you know, in 10, 12, 15 podcasts. The best tip we have is to empower your people to work on their business. Each one of them has their mm -hmm. own business. You know, each one of them has, as you know, my belief, each one of them has their own accountability. They have a, a portion of the business that they completely own. And if they're not working on it, they spend all their time in it. Do we really move forward? Right. Yeah. Can And can we move the needle forward? And that, you know, even translates into, you know, what's going on now with even the, you know, the, the remaining sale merchandise that's left in, in, you know, some of our client stores, it's like, okay, if we didn't empower our salespeople to feel comfortable to alert us that, you know, this isn't going to sell at full price ever, right? right? Before the markdown cadence or the markdown process and timing, you know, sort of buzzer was there, you know, was about to come, come upon us, right? Like we, we simply, and it's hard too, I think, I think that's actually probably, and I don't know if you find this to be true also, I feel as though that's probably one of the hardest things as a small business owner to do is to actually empower your people because, you know, it's, it's fear, it's almost fear-based, you know what I mean? It's right. like, 
it's like we're a little fearful of what the outcome could be. But really, at the end of the day, we're just selling stuff. Right. You know, we're just talking to people all day. You know, we're just we're just trying to make we're just trying to create a place where not only, you know, obviously we want to be successful and make money and, you know, go on beach vacations or ski vacations. I'm just not one of those people, um, you know, but but really you know, if our, if our employees don't feel comfortable with almost making their own decisions sometimes in what they feel is right on the front of the house in the sell in the selling and, and even, you know, feedback of merchandise to the owner, you know, it's coming from us as the owner. It's not, it's not coming from them. It's not necessarily, they're not doing their job. It's, that we haven't empowered them to be able to do that. Right, right. And I think that there is a, a good percentage of information that an empowered employee you know, can deliver back to a buyer or an owner that is, that is more fact-based than opinion-based, especially when we talk uh -huh. about goods on the floor. You know, they're interacting sure. with, with our client every single day. They're hearing objections. And if we can empower them, coach them, to share that feedback, you know, in a positive forum instead of a negative forum, we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And too often yeah. we suppress the employee instead of releasing them. I mean, we hire people right. to do a job and then we don't let them do it. <laughs> True. Isn't and that is, that could not be, I mean, that is, that is right there the best comment of the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, how do it's we, like, onto, Entrepreneurs, we, we as entrepreneurs are only, we're control freaks. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we live in the past. And we and we live in the past. <laughs> I spent a couple of hours with a client yesterday, and I said, "You got to stop digging up bones. This is unhealthy. You know, yeah. get away from the past. Start looking forward. Today's a new day." And I think that right. we are so weighted, you know, by our history. We're so jaded by our history that we cripple ourselves, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting too, and in having done, you know, all the year end reviews um, this last month, and, you know, people, clients are like, well, the plant, you know, we're not, we're not growing as, as quickly, you know, or the growth percentage plan for this year isn't as, as high as I would like it to be. And that conversation was really interesting because one of the powerful things about what we do, obviously, is in the in the merchandise planning is that, you know, we have a 12 month rolling merchandise plan and sales forecast. And what people don't realize is we can't plan out 12 months anymore. Right. Right. Because we don't know what fourth quarter is actually going to be like in January. Right. We, we really we really and it's in. You know, it, we can't compare it to last year. You know, we can't go back in time. We can't coulda, shoulda, woulda. And we really have to live in the now, right? While obviously having our sight set on the future, of course, but we really have to work on the business in shorter increments of time, right? right. On the Almost on the, you know, quarterly basis as opposed to the annual basis. It's always good to have a benchmark of what you want to accomplish in 12 months. But, you know, because the world is so unpredictable sometimes, 
right? Mm-hmm. You just can't do that anymore. And so, okay, I just want to, I'm going to just throw I'm a little bit of devil's advocate at you. Um, I'm headed to market tomorrow to buy for holiday, to buy for not just holiday, but for fall, winter. Mm-hmm. If I don't know, if, if I don't know what fall, winter is going to bring, how can I possibly be buying for it right now? Great question. Um, I think for those fortunate retailers that feel right, they, that they should be buying that far in advance, you need to really, really, really strategically look to see if that is the truth. Right. Right. Um, first and foremost, in some cases it is. And so for those retailers such as yourself, you know, I, I feel as though, you know, be conservative. So again, you might want to beat fourth quarter by 25% from last year, right. right? Because it was such a dreary, you know, holiday season, fourth quarter for most pe- for a lot of people, right? Right. And be conservative because in most cases, there's never not a time when you can actually buy more. Buy more, exactly. Right? I think we have to repeat that. There's never a, there never comes a time where we run out of inventory. No, there's never a time. And so if we're working from the place of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it trickles down in all aspects of the business. If we're working from the place of fear, we're never going to make the headway and the changes that we want to make. And if it's financial, if it's, you know, hiring a, a district manager, I mean, whatever that is for, for you, right? It's going to be harder if we're actually, you know, working from the place of fear. Right. So just be strategic, you know, really ask yourself, is it, re- is it, is it really going to happen that way? You know? And um, so you're saying, you know, not, don't forget the past, but don't live in the past. You know, don't yeah. live back there. You yeah. don't have to, you can't forget about it, but you also don't have to live back there. So, you know, as I look forward, you know, practice a little bit of restraint. Did I hear that right? You yeah. might have said conservative. I mean, practice some restraint. Buy more goods now. I mean, what does that do for our business right. if we buy, if we're buying inventory now for now? I mean, that, right. isn't that what drives sales in our stores? Fresh goods? It, right, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because when you when you when you say it that way and especially when you're basically we're in, we're going into a, a huge buying season for, you know, every every single, you know, genre that we work with, yes. whether it was gifts like, la- you know, last month was the gift market and the men's market. You know, this month is the women's market, you know, and so it's one of those things where. You know, right now, if you're not positioned, right, this goes back to really what we first started talking about. The stores that are successful today don't have sale racks on their floor, right? Right. Because they got, they liquidated it and or in most cases, they just made the decision of, I I can't present this to my customer any longer, right? And I don't like the fact that there was more left over than what we had planned for, but I'm just going to say it is what it is, you know, not coulda, shoulda, woulda, right. and move forward. So if we're going to market tomorrow and we're planning on buying 
six months from, you know, six months out. But today our stores actually aren't presentable as of top of the season, freshest goods ever. Right. Right. Then, you know, whatever you do for six months from now, you're, it's, you know, it's going to be a crapshoot almost. Right. It is. It is. And I, I mean, it is a bit of a crapshoot and you're, I mean, we're hoping to mitigate some, not hoping, hope's not a strategy. We mitigate some of that risk in the future by practicing restraint and by really knowing who we're buying for in a, in a concise format. I think, again, I refer to Scott Smith, you know, Scott Smith from Empower Retail, he's out there preaching narrow and deep, narrow and deep, narrow and deep, you know, really not, not buy less, but buy more targeted and have what she mm -hmm. needs right now. Do you believe in that? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, I, be yeah. I believe in that. Um, I And I believe that if you don't prioritize your time at this next market, if you are coming from a place where you're understocked because you had a larger amount to liquidate and or that went to permanent markdowns, if you don't focus on that first before you even look at what, That's you all. know, the buy for six months out from now. Right. The, whatever you do and all the planning that you've done for the six months out from now, you know, will will potentially not necessarily be as I don't want to say profound, but you know, be as successful be as necessarily impactful. because right. yeah, be as impactful because I think if you if if you don't well, I know met, you know numerically, scientifically, you know, if if for three months. Right. You're chasing goods. You're chasing goods. You're chasing goods because, you know, you didn't you didn't focus on today. Right. And what the next three months look like, you lose some market share. So right. by the time you get to six months from now and those deliveries start rolling in, you bought them today using today's numbers. But, you know, that demand could change if you don't have the right balance and flow of your merchandise in the current season. And we forget about that, right? right? So it's like, you know, we hear, you hear this all the time too. Traffic's down, traffic's down, traffic's down. Well, first and foremost, are you measuring it? Right. If you're not, I don't, I don't even want to have this conversation. But second of all, you know, did you really look at who hasn't been shopping with you and then really being introspective and asking yourself why? Why? Yeah. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't have what she wanted and right. she did actually come in, right, mm -hmm. then she's not going to come back after a certain amount of time. Okay, I retract what I said earlier. That's the most impactful statement we've made in a lot of podcasts. If you don't know why she didn't come in, if you don't have the ability yeah. to examine why and really hold yourself accountable to the truth, you're mm -hmm. probably not in a very good place. Right. We really and need if to you, dig in. And if we do really need to dig in. And here's the thing. What a lot of us do and say, oh, well, we didn't have events or we didn't send out as many emails or the delivery for this vendor was terrible this season or what have you. But really, that that is that's surface level stuff. Right. Right. That's real surfacey stuff. You know, the bigger stuff is really in the hard hard stuff that we have to pull out of, you know, the inventory management system, the POS, you know, system, and really even look at how the deliveries flowed in, you know, on the weekly basis, 
you know, if you just obviously depending on the retailer, but you know, you really got to get into the weeds for that kind of stuff. Right. I get that. I, 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 yeah, hundred percent. Margo, every time we, we get on this together, I am, I feel a little more inspired and uh, I really appreciate you coming on again today. And I cannot wait uh, for our next conversation before, before we check out here. Um, you know, tell us, how do we get on Margot's list? How do we find Margot? Um, okay, you find us through our website, um, theprojectretail.com. Um, you can always email us at info at theprojectretail.com. We are on Instagram, although not, <laughs> not extremely actively social, okay? No judgment. Um, and yeah, so always love to be be on and love talking with you um, and really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks girl. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. See you in Vegas. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Wealthy Retailer podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. There is a whole library of great retail talk just like we had. Also, head over to thewealthyretailer.com and join our newsletter and we'll inspire you with a bunch of great content. We really wanna connect. <laughs>